Head over to footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense and pick up your copy of the new book, Go Go Offense, by offensive coordinator Brendan Marion of William & Mary, who takes you through the ins and outs of his offense, his innovative offense that's tearing up the college football field and lighting up the scoreboard again. Footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense. What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. With me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, sir. Week two is done. It's already about to be week three, man. That's crazy how the football season comes, and as quick as it comes, it goes. The football season has already gotten underway. We had the NFL weekend kicking off this past weekend. Eh, not, not so good for my Jets. Uh, it's it's going to be another uphill battle for the New York football Jets. Uh, so what else is new? Uh, anyway, folks, this is the week three preview here on the FCS opening drive. Again, if you want to listen back to any of our other podcasts and any podcast from Football Game Plan, you can go to iTunes or SoundCloud. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Make sure to give us a five-star rating while you're there. Of course, to go, don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge from the NFL all the way down through the college through college and beyond. And don't forget to check out youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of your football videos, including the FCS Whip Around. And don't forget to look for us out on TV, too, if you're in the uh, New York metropolitan area on Optimum on the Game Plus Network. A lot of exciting content. Uh, that we're working on here at Football Game Plan. Uh, Emery, you had an, an interesting assignment this week. Where where were you for this week for the folks at home? Well, this past weekend I did the television broadcast for Washington and Jefferson and Wittenberg, two historic college football programs. So it was great to get out there for that game. Wittenberg has only one losing season since 1955. And Jeez. Washington and Jefferson, right, that just is bizarre. I don't care what level you play. One losing season in 60 60- Four years. That's ridiculous. Um, so in Washington and Jefferson, historic place. Again, we talked about Pruner West, first African-American quarterback to play in the Rose Bowl, that 1922 team. And, you know, Washington and Jefferson was a, a legit power in the early parts of the 20th century. You're talking about teams that routinely had games against Pitt and West Virginia, both are, you know, 30 miles apart from from Washington and Jefferson. And so it was a great game. Defensive battle, 16 to 8. Um, and it was co- sort of similar to your Jets game where Washington and Jefferson turned the ball over. I mean, their quarterback threw some of the worst p- interceptions I've seen. He he <laughs> threw three interceptions. They turned the ball over four times, and Wittenberg couldn't convert that into points. They went 1-12, and 1-13 on third downs, and Washington and Jefferson ended up making an interception to win the game. Sounds like typical Jets to me. Anyway, <laughs> folks, of course, we got a lot to talk about. We've got a very interesting week three coming up. A lot of big matchups, including some big out-of-conference matchups to talk about in the FCS. Of course, we'll give away our game balls in a little bit, and we're going to talk about why um, some of the so-called weaker conferences should we start getting a little more respect because they have been making some noise through the early part of this season. But let's start with our games of week two that we looked at, Emory, and we got to start with... One of those teams, one of those weaker teams getting a big upset. Dayton knocks off number 14, Indiana State, 42-35 in a barn burner. Stand up for the Pioneer League. Where did this come from? That's the shocking part of it. It wasn't the win. It was more so the amount of points they put up against an Indiana State team 
that gave Kansas all they could handle in week one to come back and lay an egg against the Flyers. So shout out to the Flyers to go out there and and get the upset, but also look impressive doing it. So that score, watching that on the ticker and then coming back and watching the game uh, before the show was like, wow, like Dayton really took advantage of, of big time opportunities in the passing game and, and really just kept the Sycamores guessing defensively. So shout out to the Flyers and the Pioneer League. I think if there was any team in the Pioneer League that we thought might give a Missouri Valley team trouble would be Davidson, but Dayton showing up in this one. Another upset to talk about here, Holy Cross. We've talked about them the last year or so, how they've improved dramatically in the Patriot League, and they knock off New Hampshire 13-10, a defensive struggle, but a big win for this program. A big win for the program, but also a big win defensively for Holy Cross to hold New Hampshire to 10 points and to really fight through that ball game was impressive for the Crusaders. We know Holy Cross is normally, especially this year, should be more known for their offense. But defensively, I thought they would be, you know, it'll be a, a work in progress, losing Teddy Capsis, losing Ryan Brady, two cornerstone defensive players to graduation, and to come out and, and have a dominating uh, performance defensively, very impressive. Really good ball game to talk about in Tennessee. Central Arkansas, who pulled off the win over FBS program Western Kentucky in week one, barely survive against the governors of Austin P. They had to come from behind to win this ball game, but another good showing for Central Arkansas, but good signs of things to come possibly for Austin P. Another defensive output that I was impressed with. They slowed down the ground game of Austin P. Craig, the running back, was I thought was going to be on pace for another hundred yard day. And if Austin P is winning, they're they're giving the ball to Craig and he's gonna run for over hundred yards, but they held him to sixty-three yards rushing which is a big reason why they were able to win that ballgame, but another outstanding performance by their quarterback, Braylon Smith. Just when you thought the FCS versus FBS matchups upsets weren't going to happen this year, we get one from a pretty unexpected source. Southern Illinois didn't just beat UMass. They throttled UMass 45-20. to 20. Where did the Salukis come from? This might be the bigger, even bigger than Dayton's as, in terms of a shock. And they were in control from start to finish. So this was a great dominating performance by the Salukis. And UMass, to me, they were on shaky ground, man. This this wasn't a good showing for them. We saw them last year in the open make light work of Duquesne. So you thought they would have done the same thing or at least won this ball game against Southern Illinois. But they weren't in this game at all from start to finish. Just a dominating performance by SIU. A really weird week in terms of the D2 powers that be. There were some really interesting games, um, but we got to talk about this one. East Stroudsburg knocks off Wagner 24-14. Is that the most surprising one of the bunch? Because there was a there was a, quite a few of them this week. I mean, you talk about five games where Division two teams knocked off FCS team Kentucky State 13-7 to over Robert Morris. We talked about... Uh, East Stroudsburg. That was shocking, too, because Stroudsburg in the PSAC is sort of middle of the pack. They may have a good game. They may not. It's usually uh, one or the other. They don't have that consistency yet, but this was a huge win for them. Then you talk about Virginia State uh, nearly putting uh, Norfolk State to the brink before Norfolk State was able to pull away. But on the opposite side, later on down the street, Virginia Union beat the brakes off Hampton uh, uh, in Midwestern State. Just dominated from start to finish Northwestern State. And we kind of thought Tarleton State, we, we talked about this on the show last week, where Tarleton State probably could be an FCS team. 
or anyone out that Lone Star Conference in Texas? Well, <laughs> well here you go. They knock off Stephen F. Austin and then Truman State with a defensive battle knocking off Drake. So, man, what a day for the D2s. Not a good look for the FCS. Even Craig Haley, our friend at FCS Stats, noted that as well. Teams were scheduling these D2s and you know trying to get that easy win. But these guys showed up with it on their mind. Tuskegee nearly knocked off Alabama State, but the Hornets were able to pull away uh, and, and hold off for the victory. So a lot of D2s gave FCS uh, teams fits last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell that easy schedule maker to Michigan and see what they said. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be very happy I told y'all about Army. I told y'all that game was going to go into overtime. Army had a chance to win. Why are you throwing on third and goal at the five? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that, that one drive killed it. But you mentioned Alabama State and Tuskegee. This is always a classic game around the Labor Day period. 38-31 for Alabama State. Some would say that that's not a good look for Alabama State, but this is a quality win. It's a quality win, and it's a rivalry game. Like you talked about, they're always competitive. And, man, if Alabama State was able to pull off that shocker last week against UAB, We'd be talking about a different, you know, different team. But I mean, it's it's just impressive to see how good, quietly, the SWAC has become uh, so far. You talk about Grambling only losing the six to to Louisiana, uh, losing by six to Louisiana Tech. Valley pushing Lamar into overtime. That's back to back weeks for Mississippi Valley State, where they've had an opportunity to win the game. So this is not your fathers, your brothers. Your, your grandmas, your your uncles, Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils, <laughs> this team right here is is quietly, they've they've looked a lot, even though they're 0-2, it's a good 0-2 if that makes sense. It doesn't make much sense to me, but you know what, I'll take your word for it. By the way, I think we should, t- we should start expanding the MEAC and the SWAC, because if Virginia Union and Tuskegee can put up these kind of numbers, you might as well just throw them into the FCS. But let's talk about one last game, and that was the FCS Stats Game of the Week. Southeast Missouri State, SEMO taking on Montana State, 12 versus 13. Now, I know when talking to you that you dropped Montana State quite a bit in your rankings after week one. But Montana State showed up in a big way in this one. They win 38-17. They're moving right back up those polls. Absolutely. I had them ranked pretty high now this week. Very impressive performance, bouncing back from that ugly week one loss. And yeah, it was against the FBS opponent, but they didn't look good in their showing. But this game, they dominated against Southeast Missouri State, who was coming off a very good win themselves. And this was a quality win that's going to yield itself positively on the back end when they're looking for playoff seeding. Because it's not about who you beat, it's about when you beat them. And when they beat Southeast Missouri State, this is one of the top teams in the FCS. And we were talking about SEMO, especially their defense. Their defense is really the strength of this team. And they just got run over by Montana State's offense. That's what happens when you have a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, sitting in the backfield there. Let's get into our game balls, Emery. I'm going to start, though, with the upset of the weekend, and that is Southern Illinois, and I'm going to go with their cornerback, Stone Labanowitz. What a name, by the way. But 19 of 26 for 265 and four scores. Where did that come from? What a performance from this young man and a great win for the Salukis. Yeah, great win for the Salukis. I'm going to go with the other upset of the week. Dayton over Indiana State. Adam Troutman, the senior bowl watch list tight end. 11 receptions, 132 yards, and a big-time win. You talk about a guy that, that made his presence felt, came in with a lot of hype, a lot of fanfare, and really was the star of the show in that upset. 
I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path of this next one. I'm going to go to the quarterback from Idaho State, Matt Strzok. Good game for him uh, this week. They played an early game, 22 for 41 for 385, four touchdowns for the Bengals. Again, a lot of people thinking maybe this team could turn into a top 25 team. They certainly look good in the early going. Some defensive game balls I have here. First of all, you always got to give shout-outs to those that get shutouts. South Carolina State over Lane and yep. Sam Houston State over Oklahoma Panhandle State. Yes, they're both Division II programs, but it's hard to get a shutout. Shout-out to both of those teams for getting the goose egg on the scoreboard. And Daniel Reed Bennett, the defensive back for Elon, game-saving interception against the Citadel. Oklahoma Panhandle State. What a, lot. a name. That's a, lot. that's a mouthful. I'm going to go to uh, a little bit off the beaten path again, though, for this next one. I'm going to go to the running back from Albany, Alex James. A workmanlike performance, 12 carries, 229 yards, somehow only had one touchdown. How is that possible? But 200-plus yards for a running back anywhere, especially in the CAA, that's something to keep an eye on later down the road. That's a long of 83 he had in 19.1 yards a carry. That's ridiculous. That'll work. And I, I got to go with the pair from Eastern Washington as well while we're at it. Eric Barrier and Drasante Dorton. I mean, Barrier did what Barrier does, but this was a crazy game for him, too. 32 for 46, 522, and five touchdowns. And then Dorton, 15 catches for 289 and three scores. I think you found your big weapon if you're facing Eastern Washington. Cover Dorton, because nobody could, carry, could cover him in week two. Man, and how about Trey Lance out there at North Dakota State? So if we go back all the way to Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, and now Trey Lance, who's just a redshirt freshman, 6'3", 225, a true <laughs> dual threat. Man, you talk. is it safe to say that North Dakota State is QBU of the FCS? Oh, easily. I mean, you might as well just write up his draft card now. Like it's their six three as a redshirt freshman, and he's already doing this. I mean, they they made. I mean, it, it was supposed to be a rivalry game with North Dakota. I mean, the the Fighting Hawks had a moose running through their practice in the middle of the week. That, that had to was be a sign. Phenomenal. <laughs> that was that was that was probably that was the viral video of the week. Uh, and shout out to my homegirl Danielle Podlaski who uh, who got that video. She's the you know beat reporter for North Dakota. I've done games with her. Uh, she was a sideline reporter on a lot of the Morgan State games I've done. Um, and so she is now in North Dakota working for, you know, the, the I, I guess his Grand Forks, um, the news or what have you. Uh, let me get it right. The Grand Forks Herald is where she works. And uh, she was able to capture that video, which is now up to 296,000 views of the moose <laughs> running across the field. It wasn't even running, too. It was like prancing across the field. It was fantastic. It was that, it was that trot where Coach, were you walking on the field, and Coach like, hey, don't walk on my field. You, you just want to pick up a light little trot to <laughs> <laughs> show effort. That's what the Moose was doing. <laughs> I will say this, folks. The Moose apparently got out of the stadium fine. It is okay. Here's the question for you, though, Emery. If you're on that field as a player and you're practicing and a Moose runs onto the field, where are you running? I'm running away from the Moose because I'm from the South and we don't see Moose. <laughs> But if you're from North Dakota, you're probably used to, to stuff like this, right? So um, I would have been hilarious. It would have been funny to me. It would have been hilarious to see how far, like, where is he going? Like, where, where, what's his plan? Like, where did, where, where did he come from and where is his destination? Because he's moving like he had somewhere to go. Like he was late for something. Maybe he lost the rest of the herd. 
So he's just trying to find where everybody was. And because he had a nice little trot on, like, okay, let me get over here to I'm running late. He had no time to talk to anyone. But I would have been amazed. Like, man, that's a because you know how huge those things are oh, yeah. in real life. Oh, yeah. Don't want to get on the other side of those, especially if you're in a car. Uh, but I will say this though, if I if I win the the Mega Millions, the the, the Super Lotto, the Powerball, first thing I'm not driving nowhere. I'm riding everywhere I need to be on Mooseback. <laughs> Get me a moose, and I'm riding on Mooseback everywhere I go. Peta, SPCA, you didn't hear any of this. <laughs> you heard nothing. Absolutely nothing. Again, folks, this, this is not Animal Planet. This is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Again, make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. Follow Emery at FBall Game Plan and David underscore Hassig for myself and my hot takes and mostly my complaining about the Jets. Anyway, let's move on to our deep dive of the week, Emery. And um, there's a lot of talk in all of college football at any level about the power conferences, you know, you always talk about the power conference, the SEC, you know, your Big Ten, uh, CAA, Missouri Valley, what have you. But then there's always the weak, quote unquote, weaker conferences, the eh, they're OK. They have one good team conferences. Well, those weaker conferences, they have started to earn a lot more respect in the first couple of weeks. And I mean, we mentioned a couple examples at the beginning of the show, Dayton beating Indiana State. And then Holy Cross being UNH. But in week one, we had Davidson knocking off Georgetown, which many people wouldn't consider that a major upset for a small conference. But anyone who actually follows the games knows that it was. A&T knocks off Elon from the CAA, from the MEAC. And speaking of the MEAC, South Carolina State knocks off a top 10 team in Wofford. I mean, these teams are putting up better and better numbers. We've talked about especially the MEAC schools have gotten much stronger over the last couple of years. But now you have teams from the Pioneer League and the Patriot League pulling major, major upsets. It, it's start time to start taking these teams more seriously. Absolutely. And we saw this last year with Butler knocking off Youngstown State. We've seen San Diego win playoff games. So we shouldn't be surprised. And Jacksonville used to be a formidable opponent under Kerwin Bell, and they're still trying to find their way. And we saw Stetson, you know, have a great season. So, yeah, the Pioneer League, I think, deserves a ton of credit. Davidson looks legitimately strong this year and should be a playoff team. They found defense. You know, last year it was all offense, no defense. Now they have both. So they're going to be formidable. You talk about the MEAC, again, the recruiting that has happened in the MEAC on both sides of the ball has been tremendous. We've seen guys from this conference get drafted in the last couple of years. Uh, and I want to say, what, three or four consecutive years? To yeah. Rick Cohen. You're also talking about Darius Leonard, Javon Hargrave. Uh, you know, so guys, uh, um, uh, uh, Ryan Smith, who played at North Carolina Central, who was with the Bucks. So you've seen guys get drafted from the MEAC consistently. And in a SWAC, man, they push Power 5 teams to the brink or push FBS Group of 5 teams to the brink. And you, you mean to tell me on an even field, you uh, talent-wise, you, you look at Prairie View, what they bring to the table on offense, Southern, on both sides of the ball, they're balanced. And Alcorn, uh, you know, gave Southern Miss a lot of what they could handle mm. in week one. And we talked about the passing game at Alabama A&M. And I think where the swack has gotten better is at the quarterback position. They have guys that they can count on to be consistent in that area. And so we've seen, <coughs> excuse me, we've seen these teams become better more consistently. And I think, to be honest, 
it just elevates the, the quality top to bottom in the FCS. And yes, you have to start taking these teams seriously when it comes time for at-large bids, you know, um, seedings. These are, are legitimate teams that can go into the playoffs and win a game, in my opinion. Exactly. And you talk about as well, you know, we talked about near misses. You look at Alabama State, you mentioned them nearly knocked off UAB, who are an FBS conference champion from last year uh, in the Blazers. And then you had Wagner nearly knocked off UConn and only lost by a field goal, which made last week's result even more confusing because which Wagner Seahawks are going to show up. But you mentioned, uh, you know, teams in these conferences winning playoff games. Look at San Diego. And again, that's the, you know, that's going to be the argument of, oh, they're the only good team. They got pushed last year. They barely survived and got through the Patriot League, and they've won a playoff game in the first round the last two years. So you could argue that San Diego is a team that you don't want to face, uh, especially when that draw comes out. But I think the other conference that really nobody gives any respect to is the Ivy League, and I don't have any idea why. You look at, we talked about Princeton's offense from last year, top offense in the country, Dartmouth's defense, easily one of the best in Division One. And the Ivy League has the most NFL players on opening day rosters as of last year with 24 of any <laughs> conference in the FCS. But no, the Ivy League is a weak conference. It's absolutely terrible. It's only had five teams competing for the title last year with three weeks to go. But it's absolutely garbage. <laughs> they're, not, they're not in the playoffs. It's absolutely stupid. Yeah, I think people look at the Ivy League, and you know where a lot of this hate comes from uh, when you're talking about Ivy and Swack and Miak. It just comes from them not participating in the playoffs. And that's where a lot of the, the unnecessary and, you know, unfounded hate comes from. You can appreciate a team for being a good team without them having to play in the playoffs. Because we know the playoffs are, ten, you know, there's a difference in, you know, your North Dakota states and your, your Mississippi Valley states. That's two opposite ends right. of the spectrum as far as funding, as far as, uh, you know, uh, the, the the total scholarship number, you know, let's say North Dakota State is, is probably at their 63 scholarships where Valley is probably not even close to 50, you know. Yeah. And so that's the difference there. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, but you can also appreciate the level of play that's going on. So when you're watching a Dartmouth really shut down an opponent, it's not because that's an Ivy League team against an Ivy League opponent. Take notice of, of the the how and, you know, how they are shutting these teams down, what they are doing defensively, Princeton's offense. And it wasn't the fact that it was Princeton's offense going up against Ivy League defenses. We saw them make light work of, you know, Patriot League teams, um, you know, Lehigh last year. We saw them do the same thing to Monmouth last year. But how about this? Those three guys that we talked about at nauseum last year that was averaging 50 points a game for Princeton – are all on NFL rosters. Steven Carlson, tight end for the Browns. Jesper Horstead, tight end for the Bears. And John Lovett, the quarterback, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's not that we were talking about these teams because they're playing against Ivy League opponents. They were legit good players. Penn, when we talked about their offense, you talk about Justin Watson, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this is a very good football team, and a very good football conference. And I think people need just to give guys their credit because the credit is definitely due. Well, we said this at the beginning of this year and the end of last year. If Princeton and the Ivy League were available for the playoffs, Princeton would have been a quarterfinalist. With their offense and the way they put up points, the way they moved the ball last year, 
that was incredible to watch. I think Dartmouth could have at least won a game in the postseason. And remember, we were rooting <laughs> almost, you know, cynically for A&T not to win the MEAC and go to the Celebration Bowl because that probably wouldn't have meant a bid for them in the playoffs. And they probably would have won at least one game, maybe two. Like, these are these are good football teams. They're prov- providing NFL talent to your rosters. And if you go and watch, if you saw the Princeton offense, especially from what we saw last year, you wouldn't be saying, oh, they're an Ivy League school. You'd be saying, holy crap, how could we copy this? Because it was absolutely insane to watch. I mean, again, you, I will say this, though. Last week was a good and the bad for the smaller conferences in FCS because you had teams like Robert Morris losing to Kentucky State, Drake losing to Truman State. But, you know, we're seeing that from the bottom of every conference. You look at Stephen F. Austin and Northwestern State, who are at the bottom of much of a much stronger conference in the Southland, they lost the D2 programs too. So it's not like it's just the weaker conference. It's just the bottom of every conference that you have to look out for. Um, that's why I think, you know, the programs like, you know, the Missouri Valley and the CAA do, to their credit, get more respect. A team like William & Mary is much better this last year. Southern Illinois comes up and beats an FBS program. But to call these, quote-unquote, smaller SES conferences like the MEAC, the SWAC, the Pioneer, and the Ivy – just terrible from the get-go, you're underestimating them. And especially if you're a coach, you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, absolutely. And you can't do that, man. And that's why I want to see the subdivision get to a place where you have uh, teams from the SWAC, from the MEAC, getting these at-large bids. I I didn't say Ivy because you know um, they're not going to move off their their requirements to to, uh, change the schedule. They would have to start the season you know, maybe a week or even two weeks earlier just to have a team that can compete in the playoffs because of the the scheduling of their classes and things of that nature. But outside of that, the MEAC and SWAC, if a team is good enough, if a team has the the record right now, everyone is, you know, one in one, I believe in the, in the SWAC or uh, checking it right here. The SWAC has no undefeated teams and the top teams are, you know, one and one. So that's Pine Bluff, Prairie View, AM. I'm sorry, uh, Alabama State. And yeah, AM is one and one, and also Allcorn State. But um, you mean to tell me an Allcorn State with their defense can't, can't compete, you know, for one game in the play? This is a team that has gone to the Celebration Bowl twice. Uh, Prairie View's offense, we've, we saw them last year give Sam Houston State all they can handle. Probably should have won that game. And, uh, you know, we've seen Southern give McNeese all they can handle probably should have won that game. So if these teams are given the opportunity, yeah, they don't have the playoff history success in, but you can't judge what they did in the past to what the current team is currently doing. You know, you can't hold that against them, new team, new opportunities. And if they continue to lose then okay, then new team, new opportunity. But the fact that of the matter is that a lot of these teams, you know, I would rather take a nine and two swag team that doesn't go to the celebration bowl over a six and five, you know, Missouri Valley Conference team, just because, you know, just because winning nine games is tough to do. Give that nine-win team an opportunity to com- to show that they are um, not worthy to be in the playoffs by losing in the first round. But at least they were there because they won nine games, which is very hard to do in college football. I agree. And I, uh, by the way, that's going to be the one that's going to get you uh, some tweets in your mentions. I will say that. Of but, course. Uh, but of course, me, but, if you have any questions with a, a problem with what I say, just at me on Twitter at Craig Haley. <laughs> you don't sound like Craig. <laughs> but 
But again, you talk about this, and, and you talk about how do these programs get more respect. Yes, give them the you know the occasional at large bid. But for me, this is where you have the arguments for bowl games. You know, you can oh I can I can hear it now. Oh, Dayton's win over you know a Pioneer League team win over Indiana State in the Missouri Valley is a fluke. Okay, prove it. Ten bowl games at the end of the year. Whoever's above five hundred gets in them. Let's throw a Pioneer League team against another Missouri Valley team and see what happens. You never know what's going to happen in bowl games, especially. But, again, there's been so many upsets already. There's been several near misses for these quote-unquote smaller conferences. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in week three. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by Football Game Plan. And you can listen to back on all these podcasts uh, from our previews all the way through the week two preview on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to search Football Game Plan in the podcast section and give us a five-star rating. Let's talk about week three a little bit, Emery. And there's some, again, very interesting games to talk about here in week three. I'm going to start with my telling trap unsung and best games of the week. And we're going to start with my, my telling game. And that's going to be Albany at Monmouth. Albany is the last couple of years. They've, they've kind of been a doormat in the CAA, not somewhere we're used to seeing this program, usually known for great line play and great defense. But they've kind of gotten back to that. The running game's been strong. We talked about Alex Jones in his uh, game last week. As for Monmouth, you know, obviously lost to an FBS program. You were on the call for that game against Western Michigan. Didn't look overly convincing, though, against Lafayette, who was starting a true freshman at quarterback, and gave Monmouth Hawks a lot of trouble. They haven't really been clicking, so I think this is going to be an interesting game for both of these teams to see where they're going in terms of momentum. I agree with you because Albany... You know, we know they can run the football. They have good point-of-attack play. This is a great challenge for Monmouth, who also can run the ball. Pete Guerrero has been phenomenal the last two weeks, um, and it's probably going to cross the 1,500-yard mark this season as far as rushing is concerned. So we should be treated to two outstanding tailbacks. Um, and you're right, this is a telling game. I agree with you. That's a good call right there. Pete, Pete Guerrero, um, he looked very impressed in the last game. It must be the 10 pounds of uh, pure muscle. Pure muscle. Pure underlying muscle. This is an inside joke, folks, that you will never get, but you know what? We do. Let's move on to the trap games. I've got two trap games to watch this week. I'm going to start with Kennesaw going away to Alabama State. Again, the so-called weaker conferences. Not so fast, my friend. Alabama State has looked very, very good in their first couple games. Kennesaw, they've looked very good as well. I will admit, they've looked very, very strong. I didn't know how strong they were going to be with all the losses they had, but they've looked good. The other one is in the Southland Conference. Central Arkansas has got to be riding real high right now. Nobody thought they were going to do anything. They knock off an FBS program. They get past a good team in Austin P. Oh, we don't have to think about Abilene Christian. Nobody thought about Abilene Christian last year either, and they ended up right around 500, much better than people thought they were going to be. The Southland last year was a chaotic scene. We're going to see that again with this one. You're also going to see a lot of purple in this game too. Yes. You know, both teams wear purple. Uh, but yeah, this is a this I don't I don't want to see a trap game because I still think Abilene has a lot of speed, but I can understand your your reasoning here because yes, Central Arkansas is coming in riding high, and you know they could be feeling themselves a little bit, starting to read the press clippings, and this is prime spot for a team like Abilene to give them a, a you know make this game a shootout. So we'll learn a lot about Central Arkansas's mental toughness in this one. My unsung game of the week, this is one not a lot of people are going to be paying attention to, but I think people should be. Youngstown State has looked really good. I mean, really good for the first two weeks. Much better than I think either one of us 
would have predicted Emory, but this week they got an interesting opponent. They got Duquesne coming to town from the NEC. Duquesne is one of these teams where you don't expect too much out of them, and then their defense hits you, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this is a much tougher game than I thought of. This one could be a really, really good defensive struggle between these two squads. Right, and people sleep on Duquesne, and Duquesne is one of those teams that went to the playoffs and won a game. So, you know, we're going to see A.J. Hines outstanding tailback from Duquesne, and Youngstown State's defense is looking very opportunistic once again. They look like the defense, uh, maybe not from a pass rushing perspective, but from a playmaking perspective, the same defense that we saw a few years ago get to the national championship game. So should be a great game, very underrated matchup this week. And you got a uh, never underestimate a game between Eastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. You see that all the time in the high school in the high school game. But this is actually a really big recruiting game with Duquesne coming out of Pittsburgh. Youngstown State's right there across the border. This is a really interesting game to watch. My best game of the week uh, that we won't talk about later on is out of the CAA. JMU is obviously the favorite this year again in the CAA. But there are two teams that are coming up right on their heels one of which took the crown last year, and that was UMaine. They've looked good at the start of this season. Now they've got Towson coming to call. This is going to be huge. We talked about Tom Flacco. He's a potential Walter Payton finalist for me. Going up against this Maine defense, they call it the black hole. So you're going to have a great quarterback against a tremendous defense. Two teams ranked in the top ten, at least for me, in terms of the FCS poll. This is going to be a tremendous game and a big one in the CAA picture. I agree. I think this was almost a stats FCS game in the week. I was talking with Craig Haley um, yesterday, and this was almost a choice because of what you mentioned. This is going to be a fantastic matchup, a pivotal matchup, and one that I'm pretty sure everyone will overreact to, win loss, win or loss. You know, whoever loses is over. Whoever wins, national champions. So, you know, (laughs) expect opposite ends of the extreme, and this should be a great game. And again, I I think a lot of the pressure is going to be on Ferguson, the quarterback from Maine. A lot of people are going to be talking about Flacco. This is his game to say, hey, I'm here too. He's had a good start to the season. So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes. Maine, you know, they beat Sacred Heart 42-14, almost knocked off Georgia Southern. They only lost 26-18 to an FBS school. So Maine is strong again this year. Towson, we know what they can do on offense. Let's move into our the rest of the games we're going to look at at week three. And let's start with the Stats FCS game of the week, and that is Eastern Washington at Jacksonville State. We mentioned Eastern Washington. They had a field day in their last game. They looked absolutely dominant uh, in their second week game. Barrier is putting up crazy, crazy numbers. As for Jacksonville State, they went way down after they lost to Southeast Louisiana, but then they turn around and they soundly beat a very good Chattanooga team 41-20. Zara Cooper looked much better in the second game. This is a pivotal one for Jacksonville State if they want to remain as the power in the OVC. I can't figure out Jacksonville State, to be honest. Um, (laughs) You know, one week you think, man, this team is completely overrated. The second week, they're like, okay, this team can make a significant run deep into the playoffs. They just have to find that level of consistency uh, within their game. And you're right, that was an impressive win last week against Chattanooga who could potentially be, uh, you know, uh, in a situation where they could upset Tennessee this week. We know how lowly the Volunteers have been um, this year. So that Chattanooga-Tennessee game may actually be one that the the mocks could win. So 
this is going to be a big game for Eastern Washington and Jacksonville State. It's probably more of a telling game, in my opinion, if, if you ask me. I, I had that as one of my telling games as well, but you know, not the not the top one. But by the way, if Chattanooga wins that game, you could be talking about the 0 and 7 Volunteers. Who would have thought that if you about a decade ago? That's that's crazy. Um, but yeah, with Jacksonville State, they kind of remind me a lot of A and T from last year, uh, at the beginning of the season, where you had one game where they're like, eh, okay, they they were they won the game, but they weren't convincing, and then the next one, wow, they lost that game, and then they turn around and say, oh wow, they win this one impressively. You have no idea, but. I had them back in my rankings. I wonder how many people who just randomly dropped them from the rankings after one loss put them back in this week. be interesting to see when the FCS stats poll comes out uh, this uh, this afternoon at 1230. Let's move on to another matchup of Blue Blood programs. Delaware hosting North Dakota State. No one can beat the Bison in the Dome, but when they get out of their Dome, they can become a little bit vulnerable, and now they're taking on one of the traditional powers of the CAA who's coming back to prominence in the Blue Hens. Who do you like in this ballgame? Well, you know, I'm going to go into my deep predictions and preview in the FCS kickoff. So a lot of these games I have I have already earmarked. But I will say this. This matchup last year was in the Fargo Dome. And I thought Delaware's team was stronger last year, had a lot more talent, um, pro talent. And I thought Delaware would pull off the upset. Boy, was I wrong on that one. Mm. And now they come out east, uh, do the Bison, and take on the Blue Hens, who – you know, look scrappy and it look competitive, but how much of the revenge factor will be, you know, set in their minds like, hey, this is what we tried to do last year. It completely did not work. And you want to see the adjustments when you play a team, a, a great team like North Dakota State, you know, and obviously they're breaking in some new players, but man, we already talked about Trey Lance and his ability, you know, how do they deal with that dynamic? So this will be an interesting game for the Blue Hens. It will certainly beat that. Let's move on to another FBS versus FCS matchup. Weaver State, again, one of these programs that's always in the top 10 that people kind of forget about. They take on Nevada. This is a potential really real big upset alert for Weaver and a real feather in their hat against an FBS program. Would be a great win for the Big Sky Conference as well. And, you know, especially you're dealing with uh, that region. You know, that big sky region, you have Nevada and Utah bordering states recruiting battles obviously are there. Um, and, and for Weber, defensively, despite them losing, you know, a lot of talent, they've been really good on that side of the ball. So interested to see how they compete against that Wolfpack offense. Moving on to another telling game for me, and this is an interesting one. Nichols will be traveling down to Prairie View A&M. Nichols, of course, you know, a, had a really good year last year, won the Southland Conference. But Prairie View A&M is one of these teams in that SWAC West that's always going to be in this dogfight with Grambling and Southern. They have a great running back in Dewanya Tucker that somehow Nichols is going to have to slow down defensively. This could be a shootout. First of all, I love both coaches in this ballgame. Tim Rebo for Nichols and Eric Dooley for Prairie View A&M. Two outstanding coaches. Both have strong Louisiana ties. Uh, Dooley was one of my high school coaches and Rebo was he he was at UL University of Louisiana I want to say right after I left so he was on that Raging Cajun staff um, you know coaching the secondary and he has like legit Louisiana he's Louisiana through and through so is is mm. Dooley so this is a great coaching matchup I, I, I love both guys both are great men uh, had the chance to sit down with Rebo you can check the interview out on footballgameplan.com uh, slash FBGP, FBGPU. Um, 
So excited to see how they compete because this game could probably end up a lot like what we saw last year between Prairie View and Sam Houston State. So this is going to be a good matchup. Plus, it's also good for recruiting uh, with Dooley having strong ties to New Orleans and Rebo coaching at Nichols and Nichols being 45 minutes away from New Orleans. Heavy recruiting implications in this matchup. Let's move on to a rivalry game that I know you love. It's the battle for the real HU, the 95th meeting between Howard and Hampton. They did not play this game last year with Hampton moving over uh, to the Big South Conference. Hampton won the last meeting 20-17. to 17. They have, in fact, won the last three of these matchups. Who do you like in this one? Because Howard has not looked good in the early going, but neither has Hampton, really. That's why this is a pivotal game. You know, it's a must-win game for both teams. We saw a much better Howard team last week, uh, and we saw what Maryland did Syracuse. So it wasn't the fact that Maryland was playing Howard. It's the fact that Maryland is a really good football team. Yeah. They put up 60 on Syracuse and 70 on on Howard. So, uh, But Howard played well last week. They, nearly, they were nip and tuck in that ball game. Hampton is coming off a horrible loss to Virginia Union, and you know it'll be interesting to see how Virginia Union does. Uh, in the CIAA throughout the rest of the way and also in Division II, uh, seeing this this year. But this is a must-win game for both teams. A telling game down in Virginia. Colgate taking on William & Mary. Now, William & Mary, again, under the new system, under the go-go offense. By the way, you can order that book still on footballgameplan.com. Have looked really good. It's a new-look tribe. Colgate 0-2. This is not what we expected from the Raiders. We thought they might have some trouble in the early going, not this much. They need a win desperately. Otherwise, the Patriot League might be up for grabs between them, Holy Cross, and Georgetown. Yeah, and it's interesting when you look at the, the schedule of Colgate. Okay, the Villanova game was was probably the most surprising one, but then they play Air Force. And, you know, Air Force is, is that sneaky slot option team. Um, this is a, a an interesting matchup because we have the offense of William and Mary. Like you mentioned, you can go get the book at footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense. But you have that offense going up against what I still believe is a very good, fundamentally sound Colgate defense. Strength versus strength battle. We'll see how it plays out. Next game up is another telling game, and it's a battle for teams that I think will be fighting for at-large bids, and this will be a long this will go a long way to deciding who will get one. Austin P taking on Mercer. Mercer getting some love in the in the uh, FCS stats poll. Austin P not so much. Both of these teams though are very very solid. They are well built. They are well versed in their defenses. This could be a really entertaining ball game. I think so as well. And it should be one where the running game is going to be what leads the way. Now Jeremiah Oldsvall is one of the better quarterbacks that no one talks about in the FCS. Um, and I'm excited to see how he competes against a Mercer defense that does a great job in pressuring the quarterback. So good. Game within the game battle here between the Bears and Governors. And one last game to talk about, a major recruiting battle matchup here. Um, Alabama A&M taking on North Alabama, Big South versus SWAC. But a really critical game for this region, but a big game for both of these teams who are, you know, might be looking to, at least North Alabama won't be able to, but Alabama A&M, this is a huge one if they want to try to get in that large bit or go to the Celebration Bowl. But they're coming off a very ugly loss against Pine Bluff. And you're right, these two teams are not that far apart. Florence, Alabama is not that far away from Huntsville, Alabama. So recruiting battles, just like we talked about with Nichols and Prairie View. So, yeah, big game here. And the biggest matchup will be 
Alabama A&M's defense against this offense of North Alabama. That defense of the of the Bulldogs really has to play better. They nearly gave up a, a loss to Morehouse in the opener in the Black College Football uh, Hall of Fame Classic, and we saw how bad they did last week against Pine Bluff. So their defense has to improve significantly if they want to have a shot. That'll do it for our Week 3, three preview, folks. Emery, before we go, where are you going to be for Week 3 this week? Well, week three, I will be uh, Friday. I will be scouting the Kansas Boston College game. So I will be up at Chestnut Hill. Love going up there. They have great clam chowder in the press box. Good Um, lobster, too. Good lobster. Very good. And also this weekend, I will be on the broadcast for Georgetown and uh, Catholic University. So D.C. battle. Catholic University, historic football team, uh, you know, a lot of tradition there. You know, it was a powerhouse in the early 30s and 40s in college football. Um, but they're a Division three program. Georgetown is, uh, you know, looking to, to stack wins and, and get the, to that elusive winning season. Uh, so I'll be on that broadcast. And we do have a, a conference call with Coach Scarlotta, Georgetown's head coach, Wednesday to talk about the game. But I will be on that broadcast. You can find that on the Patriot League network, you know, PatriotLeague.tv, but also locally, if you're in D.C., you can find it on television. Go to Channel 50, D.C. 50. I will be on that network, which is great for Georgetown's first time being on, you know, locally broadcast on TV in, in you know, I want to say over a decade. So that'll be great for Georgetown, great for me because I'll be on TV in D.C. Um, but also, uh, this should be a great game of crosstown rivals. Not really rivals, but you know, Catholic University is, um, I want to say, eight miles away from Georgetown, four mm-hmm. miles away, not that far at all. But that four miles in D.C. is probably two hours in traffic. So uh, <laughs> at least. <laughs> right. So that it's a great it's a great it should be a great atmosphere because, again, how often do you see these local teams play? And I think that's going to be a great game, just a great Saturday afternoon game for fans out there in D.C. of both teams. So it starts at noon Eastern time. You can find it on Patriot League TV, or you can find it locally on television in D.C. and D.C. 50. Uh, just check your you know cable lineup for that or your TV lineup for that and see that game. And check out me and my play-by-play partner, Jeremy Huber, doing that football game. Uh, it was always a great time getting back there to Georgetown. This will be one of two games I have this year with the, with the Hoyas. That'll be an interesting game for sure. A little new Mac football coming your way with uh, Catholic University. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on this podcast or any of our other podcasts on demand, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search football game plan in the podcast section and you can listen to them there. Give us a five-star rating while you're there. For any of your college football knowledge, don't forget to watch the college football tailgate show. If you're on the local area um, on uh, Optimum, on the Game Plus Network, where we talk everything from FBS all the way down to NAIA. So it's a really co- a complete show. Uh, if you want our uh, opinions on the Chattanooga-Tennessee matchup, you'll find more of that there uh, for sure. Also, don't forget to check out the FCS Whip Around, where our correspondents will give you the breakdown on everything going on across all the conferences of FCS. We cover everybody here. And don't forget, you can listen in as well to our NFL coverage, the NFL All-32 podcast and TV show, um, just so, just go to footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of your knowledge, great interviews, great coverage of all everywhere football and where football makes sense. For Emory Hunt, I am David Hassagan. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week.